0: Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Legendarium on iTunes. Uh, check us out at thelegendarium.podbean.com, and also write us at the Podcast at gmail.com. Welcome to the Legendarium. We're doing things a little differently this week. Uh, we'll be discussing the upcoming Hobbit movie. We're reviewing the Guardians of the Galaxy. We do a little bit of Star Wars news, and Ryan and I will announce our next project. Uh, We have a lot of fun doing it with our guest Todd Wente, so uh, join in. Have some fun with us.
1: I'm pretty sure that's not going to be our new theme song, but
0: (laughs) hey, if you want to audition for it...
1: Um, we are animaniacs.
2: Oh wait, that's probably that's copyrighted. Taken. Yeah, that's taken. okay.
0: Sorry. Yep. Uh, hey, welcome back, everybody.
1: Uh, Ryan, welcome back. Thank you. I enjoyed my time off.
0: Yeah, it's been like a week and a half, I think, since we recorded. We we finished up our Lord of the Rings uh, book club, mm-hmm. and uh, again, huge thanks to uh, the uh for loaning out uh, our our good friend. So, Todd, uh, thank you for being here again. It's my pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd Wente.
2: Hey, thank you very much. Appearing for South American Revolutions and Bar Mitzvahs everywhere. <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm so
1: confused. I'm not sure we're supposed to be endorsing that sort of thing. Though. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
2: Non-denominational
0: religious observances of any type. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this week, uh, it's a little different. Uh, we are between book club projects. Uh, now... So, well, okay, for not this because week, of a lack of books. Not well, you know, they just it doesn't seem like anybody's published any in the last ten years. <laughs> uh, but we're we're between projects. We've been polling a little bit on our website and asking around, and and we'll be uh, doing a project soon. But for today, uh, it's a kind of a, a various and sundry episode. Uh, there's a lot to talk about in the world of nerdery. Uh, And so that's what we're going to do. If anybody is here looking for the, uh, you know, for my thoughts on uh, Harry Potter or uh, the Silmarillion, you've come to the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) Go away. We
1: We might get there at some point in time in the conversation. I'm just
2: impressed that somebody actually says the word Silmarillion. So, um, you know, because I thought I was the only one that was aware of it.
0: Oh, aware of the Silmarillion? Yes, that book literally changed my life. Really? L- uh, yeah, we're, we'll get there. <laughs> Maybe not today. <laughs> I uh, yeah. If uh, anybody who's listened to the Lord of the Rings podcasts knows that I that my love for the Lord of the Rings knows no bounds. Uh, And it was actually the Silmarillion that made that. so.
2: I tried to explain to my daughter the role that the Silmarillion plays in the entire evolution of of those story arcs. And she looked at me and she said, so how do we know all these things? I said, oh, sweetheart, we have a lot of reading to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The only way that I can explain it is uh, if you've ever read the Bible or any part of it, the Lord of the Rings is like the Book of Acts yeah and and the Silmarillion is the freaking bible yes right all so. all
2: the rest of the book including the apocrypha right. um every, you know, everything finished <laughs> tales <laughs> all of the things that that uh that ran through J.R.R. tolkien's mind as he was saying this is my justification for doing this one little moment in the book oh, i've man. got to make sure i give you the backstory and and that's makes it a wonderful read for those of us who appreciate that piece
1: so what would you classify then as the uh book of revelations of the Silmarillion then oh
0: gosh I don't know I don't know
2: uh Peter Jackson's notes for the writing uh, for the directing of the Lord of the Rings (laughs)
0: perhaps (laughs) there is um there are some like end of days prophecies in the Silmarillion but very it's very limited so there isn't one your joke your joke has fallen flat you lose nope. the game.
1: <laughs> to fans of the Silmarillion, yes. But to those of us who have never in, been involved in it, perhaps my joke was not as flat as the root beer I believed
0: that, <laughs> to be. Um, anyway, so turns out this isn't a Tolkien podcast. What is the matter with me? Man, I really? can't even help it. And it, that's
2: okay. We'll forgive you. There's a Recovery Club meeting oh, next week. Oh, gosh.
0: <laughs> so, Hobbits Anonymous or something? Let's, I guess uh, let's get this out of the way then. There, there are a few things that we may want to talk about with the upcoming Hobbit movie. The Battle of the um, Five Armies. Battle of the Five Armies. Or is it just the Battle of Five Armies? The Battle of the Five, five Armies. armies.
2: Okay. Remember, if you don't say it correctly, Peter Jackson will find you, and several of his <laughs> lawyers will make sure that you are forced to eat enough food to get as large as him.
0: He's not that big anymore.
2: No, but bigger than both of us put uh, together, He's
0: done doing his uh, case study for King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, with The Hobbit coming up, are you guys excited? I... Uh, is this something you're really looking forward to, chomping at the bit? Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. I am. yes.
0: Okay, I'm very excited to have it out um, and kind of be done with it. Partly just because I, I felt like the first two Hobbit movies kind of fell flat a little bit for me. Um, partly because we've already seen two and we're not done yet. Yeah, you no. know what I mean. Um, it,
2: Peter Jackson's Peter Jackson's method of telling story is is is, I I would sum it up in one word and that is crescendo. The man does not know how to diminuendo. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to pull back anything back and give you room to breathe really. And so every movie feels like you get to a climax point and then, Oh wait, there's more. Oh wait, there's more. Oh wait, there's more. And so they,
0: little exhausting.
2: They, they, for me, every time I have watched them, um, I have, I have felt exhausted at the end. Um, and, and been very amazed uh, at what he's done as far as the technical aspects of, mm-hmm. of, the, of the film work, uh, making everybody look the right heights when we know that some of those characters, I mean, there's a couple of those dwarves that are actually six feet tall and taller than Legolas. Um, <laughs> but, but there's Legolas looking down at them, and they're looking up. at I mean, there's some, some wonderful technology things that are done with the film to tell the story and make it as seamless as possible. But, oh, my goodness, it's long.
0: It really is. I remember when the first one came out, I went and saw it, and, and really enjoyed it. And uh, took I think I took my parents back to see it, and I was, I so I've seen it for the second time. And about halfway through the movie, I just thought, yeah, I'm I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then I had to sit through the rest of it. And by the time it was over, it was, oh my goodness, same thing happened the second time I saw the the uh, Desolation of Smog. Yeah. Um, when they when they finally get to the end of the the kind of mini battle with Smog in in the in the mountain. Yeah, I was just kind of checked out at that point. Yeah, and so I I worry a little bit for this movie, and I also worry about for when I buy because I will inevitably buy the extended versions <laughs> of these movies. How yeah, am I ever going to? You thought they were long these? at nine hours. I know,
2: I know. One of the things that's interesting too, if you if you look at the book, we aren't dealing with a third of the book that's left. We're dealing with maybe less than a fourth, if I remember right. correctly and it's going to be as long as the other two movies.
0: And from from the trailer, it looks like it will... The trailer definitely focuses on what we know from The Hobbit, but the little glimpse of uh, Galadriel trying to bring Gandalf back from the life, I bet there's just going to be a whole crap ton of the the necromancer and yes. Saur- Sauron yes. coming back and fleeing to Mordor and all that stuff and
2: which is which is wonderful information and it's hinted at in the book but it's never given in right. the book
0: and and that and it makes the book better you know for the for the tone that it was mm-hmm. setting the book I mean it's this is not the Lord of the Rings when you read the book in fact I'm reading the Hobbit right now. Not, I mean, not right now, but... uh,
2: Yes, he is, ladies and gentlemen. He's got the book open in front of him, (laughs) and he's doing it all all the time while he's talking to us as well.
0: That's not true. It's amazing. Uh, Yeah, I'm reading The Hobbit, and it's, you know, the tone is so different from The Lord of the Rings, and and joyously so. I mean, it's not the same book, where he's not trying to send the same messages or whatever. It's more of a, it's a kid's book. It's a rip-roaring good time, and I feel like he really lost sight of that with the movies and the whole idea of... You know, beating the necromancer storyline to death is just darkening things up a lot.
2: Well, you know, I I tried to um, explain to my kids that what made me fall in love with the Hobbit was a 1970s cartoon adaptation. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that? I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. And and that 1970s cartoon adaptation, even with car, even with commercials, wasn't longer than two and a half hours. Um, because I remember it started And it was the Sunday night movie of the week On mm-hmm. this particular time And it started somewhere between 7 and 7.30 Which was early for that kind of a, of a deal But it ended at 10 10 o'clock And um, it covered all of the material in the book Nicely Some of it it glossed over obviously Because Tolkien's writing style is is what it is And he gives more detail Than you're going to necessarily capture In that period of time But it appropriately treated the material and Peter Jackson has fleshed things out so much that it's a very different feel to what that fun story was when I saw it yeah, as
0: a kid. it's just, it's so, so, so much darker than The Hobbit book. And to that point, um, the, the trailer that we just watched together, the three of us, is uh, it has Billy Boyd singing over it. Mm-hmm. And as far as trailers go, Masterstroke. I mean, what a wonderful trailer and it really has a great mood to it. But when you're comparing it to what the movie could have been or, you know, how how things could have been, it's just you're taking a song, a moment from one of the most uh, joyless, despairing moments in the Lord of the Rings trilogy and that's how you're pitching this Hobbit movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, um, here's, I guess my take on The Hobbit is I'm really enjoying watching them. I really wish that somebody else would have made them. Oh, interesting! Interesting yeah. observation. I, I was—I couldn't tell you how excited I was when it was announced that Guillermo del Toro was going to um, direct okay. the Hobbit movies. Now, okay, that would have been dark too, probably. But, but different. But different. Yeah, different. It, I. So this is—it's like it's the Lord of the Rings Part Two. Yeah, I. I
2: yeah, I, I would echo that. I. I remember at the end of the Hobbit feeling very light, um, feeling very um enthusiastic about life and there's nothing at all in in the story that's being that's been being told right now that feels light
0: well the very beginning of the first movie did
2: um okay that, yeah i'll give you a, that in yeah, the in the hop, in in bilbo's home
0: martin freeman just killed the first few scenes as bilbo <laughs> he was amazing
2: he is he's and he's been a wonderful actor through yeah. this entire thing of capturing Bilbo's essence and Mm -hmm. and really giving us a really good read for Bilbo But, but there is I'm having a tough time seeing this end and feeling like I'm going to walk out of the theater saying that was so much fun instead I have the feeling I'm going to walk out saying wow now I get how things get so
0: bad Do you know what I mean? Like life, how life gets so bad, or how movies get so bad? how the Lord of the Rings how the Lord of the Rings gets gets so bad, how the world of Middle Earth gets so
2: bad. I I just I have that feeling that that's Mm -hmm. maybe and maybe that's what Peter Jackson was going for. And if that's what he was going for, he seems to be leading us down that path beautifully. Yeah, I'm just kind of disappointed.
0: I like I, I like the idea, and Ryan, I think you and I might be most excited about this one. I like the idea of. Uh, yeah, painting that picture, bringing things up to the present time, you know, Lord of the Rings speaking. But I, I feel like this was the wrong place to do it. You know, make the Hobbit feel like the Hobbit. But uh, the the new game that's coming out, Shadow of Mordor, is that mm-hmm. what it's called? Uh, oh, that's going to have a that. cool backstory, you know, and, and how like Celebrimbor, the guy who forged the the one ring, or he he forged all the elven rings and all these other rings, not the one ring. He's coming back to like as a ghost to do uh, battle with Sauron through this, you know, through this guy. So some, you know, it's a it's a totally uh, it's a totally original story within Middle Earth. And, you know, and that gives us the opportunity opportunity to flesh out that backstory and stuff. I think that's going to be really cool. Um, but I just feel like The Hobbit was maybe the wrong place to, to kind of do that and darken things up. Well, it was certainly Peter Jackson's vision. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm going to... I've, I've listened through the through, <laughs> to the arguments here. Here we go. I'm playing Deadpool's advocate here. Uh, not entirely Deadpool's advocate. I believe this third movie is Peter Jackson's chance to justify everything he's done in the first two. If he blows it here, the entire series is shot. But in this movie, he has the opportunity to say, here's the reasoning why... I spend all the time with all these extra characters. Mm. Here's all these things. Okay. And I'm also a proponent of the idea, and this is something I've developed more so in the in the last couple of years, the idea of allowing things that exist, similar things that exist in different universes to be different. Sure. Yeah, I, so yeah, I totally get well, that. I get that. Because, you're. I mean, you're talking about, you know, make it like the Hobbit. Well, I agree that there needs to be a, that there needs to be, a homage or a respect for the source material originally but the fact that it's darker and that it's that it's going that way actually works better for me as a movie than a children's film would be than to turn the hobbit into a children's film i look back at the cartoon one it's fun it's enjoyable you know it hits all the points and everything but if i'm looking if i'm thinking i want to watch a lord of the rings-esque film then and i want to go through the hobbit story i want that little bit more edge to it the one thing about the Hobbit series so far that I'm like, that in comparison has really pulled for me is the fact that they have tried to, I feel like they've tried to appease both sides. Like mm-hmm. the hardcore, you know, I want that darkness, whatever, and the kids fans. And you're not going to be able to do it right. because you get these ridiculous scenes where the CGI is just not the, quite the, the, there, barrel the barrel riding down. The barrel there. riding was
2: painful and the and the uh, bridge and all of the stuff down in the mines with the with the orcs. Uh, in the first film that looked like ants crawling all over everybody when those poor dwarves were trying to fight their way out, riding a bridge as though it were a sledge <laughs> during
0: a... Right.
1: Yeah, it's it's moments like that that I feel like, okay, we need to put this little bit of unrealistic whimsy in there to make this more, you know, more of a... a light fanciful. fanciful story here. And the fact is, that's not what you're doing, so... So don't 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 try. Don't, don't try. Don't, I, you know,
0: I might agree with that. I yeah, can see that perspective. Maybe what's maybe what's throwing me off so much is the unevenness. Yeah, I, the I believe they are
1: trying to they're they're splitting themselves by trying by trying to make it a kid's story and not at the same time. And you're, right. all you're doing is tearing yourself down the middle and making a not great a not great series. I believe I I honestly believe, and I will throw this down now as my prediction that when the when this movie comes out, that the series as a whole will be better now that it's completed, then it has been as its individual pieces. Yeah. I do not think that it necessarily is going to be an amazing, you know, cinematic masterpiece that we're just going to come out going, oh my gosh, this whole time he was, <laughs> he's played us all. <laughs> but I do think that once the entire story is completed, we're going to go back and look, watch through the whole thing and go, you know what? It works. It's not the Hobbit book, but it's not supposed to be the Hobbit book. It's the Hobbit movie. And it works. Yeah.
0: All right. I yeah, I'll reserve final judgment.
2: Put that into a time capsule. Let's pull it out in December. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to is whoever the uh, visionary is in some studio who allows the uh, the Silmarillion miniseries. <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> All right. So, they let's... couldn't
2: do
1: that with the Bible. They're not going to do it with the Silmarillion. <laughs> History Channel presents The Silmarillion.
0: No. from now until
2: 2022
0: so all right let's uh speaking of movies tune in wednesdays at eight um let's let's shift gears a little bit um to another great movie another great movie a very good movie ryan why don't you take take this one go
1: oh my gosh i'm totally just enjoying this moment here guardians of the galaxy Groot, everything i'm sorry Groot. groot thank you i am groot Guardians of the Galaxy was everything I wanted it to be and more. Okay? That film... You look giddy as a teenager. Oh. I know. I know I, this is really sad. I saw it two times within, I believe, 14 hours of each other. That was, I was amazing. I was just so... I very much enjoyed I, I loved it the first time. The second time was even better. And I will probably go see it at least a third time in the, in the theaters. Um, but it was just great to have a non major character arc story come in and be able to explore a different section of the marvel universe to see the cosmos side of things this this (laughs) universe that exists beyond earth you know we're not iron man and thor it's we're dealing with that there is a bigger universe out there that we have to deal with i just i
0: I love this movie (laughs) and rocket and groot obviously are i just gotta say at the very end when he goes we are <laughs> i was like I, my my first instinct my first instinct as a moviegoer was to roll my eyes and be like oh my gosh that's so lame but then i, I was like no no that's nice it yeah. was nice i mean it was it cheesy yes it was super cheesy but yeah. it was not very nice sentiment
1: there is nothing in that movie that you will not see coming oh ain't that the truth it is a very predictable in like in expectations of what's coming next what you're going to see but the fact is is it's well executed and we as a as a an audience don't mind being told the same story or being taken on a story that we know what's going to happen if it's done well and this does that well don't they say what is it there's only six
0: stories that depends on who you ask there's three or one or seven (laughs) so it's fine yeah it's fine to get the same story just do it well Mm -hmm. you know throw something in there that's a little different didn't you guys love um uh karen gillen's turn as uh, asajj Ventress? (laughs) um (laughs) oh i'm sorry whatever her character's name was i
2: i was i was very uh midnight proxima um i was very impressed that they've worked very hard to include um classic Marvel characters from, from the Marvel pantheon of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, as well as including brand new characters. Um, that character is a... Uh-oh, wait a minute. Hold on. For those of you who don't know that Todd's a Marvel nerd boy... Oh, boy. Yeah, here, here you go. Um, that character that Karen Gillan played is brand new to the Marvel universe within the last, I think, 18 months.
0: Is it Gillan or Gillen Gillen. Gillen. It's Gillen Gillen I apologize. All right. I wanted to make sure I was right. Ha!
2: Welcome to the world of the English language, um, <laughs> but uh, she did it. And, and I think she did a wonderful job. Um, the, yeah, me too. the The storyline on that is is relatively new for for her being involved with Thanos, um, and the way that she's involved with Thanos, and and it was and
0: and it was it was one that played well. Can I just say, um, you know, someone is intensely attractive when you put her in all that makeup and shave her head and you're still like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should cuddle
2: <laughs> right up until she spears you through the well, heart there is with that. part the, of her mechanical. Arm. There was the scene yeah.
0: when she's like all broken and battered and she like puts herself back together. Okay. That was mm-hmm. a little, that was a little hinky. <laughs> <laughs> hinky. I haven't heard that word in a while. No, I love it. You have now.
2: I, I have to, I have to echo the sentiments of, of enjoying the film, but I enjoyed it on a couple of different levels at the same time. Um one of them was obviously watching it with my children and, and having a wonderful time as just a moviegoer. I think this is a film that an that an average moviegoer looking for a popcorn movie is gonna have fun with. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, it's, that's
0: its major strength, I think.
2: It it, it really it really delivers a uh, a bubblegum blowing good time. This mm-hmm. is not this is not anything is that's not gonna me- change your life. No. no. Yeah. Um But the other thing that I really liked about it, uh, um, and and this is where I pull out my nerd boy shield badge and flash it to everybody, is that within the construct of the Marvel Universe, they touched on some really, really, really big things that have to come out if they're going to pursue this this, uh, construct through multiple phases. Like Howard Mm -hmm. the Duck. Okay, except for Howard the Duck. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Seeing Howard the Duck at the end, I almost said really, really bad things. Um, Ryan
0: was all excited about it. I'm like, who I thought it was hilarious. Howard oh, the Duck.
2: I just was like. Can we let go? we won't mention steel and you won't mention howard the duck um i mean it's just you know there are things in the, there are things in both universes we never mention anymore um but you know it was cute it, it, that that was cute but but more than that it's the infinity gauntlet mm-hmm. um and introducing the idea what that what was the
0: infinity gauntlet
2: the infinity gauntlet is probably what we're going to see when we bring Thanos in for the next phase mm-hmm. of marvel's of marvel's uh movie series the Infinity Gauntlet was a, uh, a device that was used in the, during the creation of the universe. And uh, according to the comic book arcs, um, it is one of the pieces that Thanos chased in order to destroy all life as we know it so that he could please his mistress' death. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so I'm liking this more. This is this is a really interesting this thing. And, great arc. Um, it, and it, and it took several. I I read it as a I read it as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly when I was sneaking looks at comic books in the Arby's one stop on Kaysville's <laughs> Main Street uh, because they wouldn't kick me out for reading the comics without buying them, and because I didn't have that much money. Um, I' was spending it all on Mario Brothers or Donkey Kong. Um, but I, you and all the rest of us, <laughs> um, it, it took several years to complete that story arc, both in the assembling of the infinity gauntlet and the disassembling of the infinity gauntlet, which mm-hmm. they're going to, which, which it looks very much like Marvel is setting up the introduction of the Nova core, which will require them to add in Nova as a character or will allow them, I should say to add in Nova as a character into the Avengers universe. Um, which uh is is a piece that right now is going on in the Marvel universe in the comic book series it they did it once before in the late 70s early 80s um that's a piece that has to fit into place someplace
1: i think it's interesting i have, as a side note to them having to bring in nova obviously we know disney owns marvel they have a big game wait what yes okay um
2: sorry for those of you who didn't know that spoiler <laughs> alert
1: they have their uh, Disney Infinity game, which I've become a huge fan of. I love that game. I love the pieces, that you, the little uh, figurines you have to get with it. They're great collector's items. They're releasing the Marvel Universe characters this fall. They've, they're Oh, starting I had heard that. Oh, yeah. They've got the, uh, all the Avengers. They've got a bunch of the, the Guardians of the Galaxy. They've got all these going on. One of the characters that they are releasing is Nova. They are releasing Nova as a character in the Infinity series. What's odd is they're releasing him in the Spider-Man set. Oh, no, that's not odd. It's odd to the movie watchers, but not to... Not to those of us who are
2: cartoon watchers and watch right. the Disney Universe cartoons. Did I just say that I watch the Disney Universe cartoons?
0: Let's not. We ha- let's not. Uh, let's not get out of that closet just yet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> My children watch it, and right. I watch it with them,
0: and while I'm chopping vegetables,
1: but for them to eat. <laughs> the fact that they are actually bringing that character forward. There's a number of other characters that they could add that yeah. would be more of a sell. But the fact that they're bringing Nova into that series and showcasing them already. Makes me think that we're going to see more of Nova, especially with the Guardians of the
0: Galaxy having
2: introduced Nova. the Nova Corps. Nova is a...
0: Is that... Uh, oh, Nova Prime was Glenn Close, right? Right. Yes. Um okay. in the comic, that's not Nova.
2: In the comic book series, um, Nova is a... Uh, in typical Marvel fashion, a teenager who doesn't quite fit in, who gets struck by a bolt of extraterrestrial this is one of those, light. One of
0: those six stories.
2: Yep, uh, that Marvel does so well. Right. Um, and and in the dying moments of, I can't remember the um, I can't remember the name that they gave him, but it was played by it was played in the film by the by the primary. Uh, assistant to Nova Prime, um, curly hair. I Can't remember his name off the tip of my tongue. Oh, oh, uh, you know, John C. Riley. Yes, uh, his his character uh, shares the name of the alien that gives Nova gives Richard Rider the powers of the Nova Corps. Mm. But he doesn't live long enough to explain to him what it's all about. And so Richard Ryder, this character on Earth, has to figure out how to be a superhero with these Nova powers. Right. and then a la eventually, Green Lantern. A la Green Lantern. And eventually he finds out, oh, I'm supposed to be using these on behalf of Xandar. And when the comic book series didn't do so well, that was the escape that they gave him to take him up to Xandar. And the story arcs ran until about 1984. And then they killed Nova. Um, after the new Warrior series didn't do so well as well. And then they brought him back later on as part of the Guardians of the Galaxy series. And so, I feel like I'm
0: drinking from a fire hose here. Sorry, yeah, I told here. you my Marvel nerd boy <laughs> was going to come out.
2: But that's the thing is that they've got these pieces that they've woven together very nicely that for those of us who are fanboys who sit there and go, did you catch that? Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Did you catch that? My wife finally looked at me and said, we're not catching anything. Because you're not shutting up. Um, and so I, I kind of said, okay, I'll stop all talking about it later. We'll get it on DVD. It'll be so much fun. Um, but that's the deal. It's, a, it's very much a movie that was written to be approachable, but very much an homage and a, and a gift, I think, to the fanboys who know this material so well. Yeah,
0: yeah. So let me uh, switch gears I'm still on Guardians of the Galaxy because after, it made me think after I watched it, it made me think about how I feel about fantasy and science fiction. In this case, let's just call it fantasy, there's, please, because um, that's because what it is. none of it, this is science fiction. Yeah, it might have lasers and spaceships and stuff, but it's it's fantasy. It's not sci-fi. Um, anyway, so it made me think about how I feel about that stuff, and I have a a very loose idea, and I want to run it by you guys. I feel like there's a, a maybe a theory of that that we could develop about how fantasy works. And there are three categories of fantasy, and I feel like this fits into the second one. The first would be uh, pure escapism. Okay. The second would be political. The third would be truth, or at least, you know, seeking truth, right? Moral stories. Mo- yeah, the moral stories. Um, and each of them, if they're done correctly, if they're done right, are you know wonderful and worthwhile and should be applauded and sought after mm-hmm. and i feel like this is a, an excellent example of um of a like you guys say it's a it's a popcorn movie it's this is feel good have a great time at the theater but at the same time i felt like i was getting pelted with a lot of modern political messages that won't necessarily resonate you know generations from now if that makes sense like it's great for us now in specifically, what I saw was a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, war on terror stuff. OK. And, uh, you know, the, what, are, what are the bad guys called?
2: Uh, well, Ronan, the accuser. Ronan,
0: you know, and his minions. Yeah. Like whatever. It, you know, that it was it was already fairly apparent. And then he goes, uh, he's like, initiate immolation protocol. And they yeah. all start like suicide bombing the yeah. city. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, so there were those things. There were a few other things, but but that's where I feel like this this movie and maybe a lot of things, a lot of fantasy that comes out fits into that mold of the. I, I say political. What I really mean is it's it's commentary on our current world situation. Yeah, you know what I mean.
2: And I would think that I, I would think that all art, um, whether it is whether it is film or literature or um or or other kinds of uh, sculpture or visual arts um, have a have a piece of them that is grounded in the time that they're created sure and 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 it is with great peril that the artist decides how much they're going to keep it grounded or pull or it away from it. Yeah. and and in this case i think um they the the choice was made that they were going to address these kinds of issues and treat them as universal issues that occur at all times but that they are particularly painful for us right now. Mm-hmm. And they're particularly appropriate for us right now.
0: Yeah. Ryan, what do you think
1: of my theory? Well, first thing I would like to ask is for an example of all three of the fantasy styles you were talking yeah. about. Um, but I I didn't catch a lot of that, but I wasn't really looking for a lot of that either, sure. the political commentary. You say that, I'm like, yeah, I can I, see that. I,
0: I should mention that I, I follow politics uh, very well, uh, relatively closely, much more closely than your average American. I'd say not quite the amount that you follow Tolkien, but not quite. <laughs> yeah, you know. um, no, but yeah, so, not near the same way I follow
2: Marvel. <laughs> so
0: I, um, so I'm very, I'm keenly aware of of stuff like that, and uh, so I, I, I could be seeing things where there's nothing to be seen. I, I'll grant you that, but, um, but I, you know, I, I don't think
1: so. No, I anyway, after after you pointed out and made example, I can see it. And I'm like, yeah, that yeah. makes sense, and I can and I agree with that. Uh, generally speaking, though, I I believe that most most well done stories have enough <laughs> levels in there that if you're looking for more, you'll find more. Otherwise, yeah. you know, there's plenty of stories out there where there's only this storyline. Um, for example, you will not find anything deeper
0: in Pacific Rim. <laughs> there you go robots beating so up aliens. that's that's a perfect example i think of that first category yeah of that's pure escapism. escapism you know and there's there's nothing wrong with it as long as you don't you know get too obsessed with it or you know let it take you down the wrong path or whatever there's absolutely nothing wrong with going and enjoying a movie for two hours and you know watching robots punch aliens that's awesome uh, so that would be a great example the first the the Guardians of the Galaxy, I feel like is a great example of the second. The third should be pretty obvious where you're looking at Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, uh, Harry Potter, I think would fit into that one uh, pretty nicely.
2: Well, and I would suggest that tolkien uh, Lord of the Rings is a good example of the second as well, um, because
0: well right in so as that it's a, it's it, a work of the twentieth century you if mean? you're
2: and if you're familiar with um if you're familiar with the environment when Tolkien was writing the Lord of the Rings and with what was going on in European politics and in world politics. Um, I, th- I think you see it much more clearly uh, than someone who is not a student of history. Right. And I don't think it would be as obvious to someone who wasn't a student of both.
0: Perhaps. And, and maybe this would uh, suggest that uh, if, if these three categories that I'm making up are real, then if you can effectively integrate all three levels of fantasy into the same story you've got one heck of a story yeah and i right? think
2: i think some of that is the I, I i think your execution of that is what's going to determine whether or not it's it's really appropriate and, and i guardians
0: think guardians of the galaxy was one heck of a well-executed movie and i think, I think it, we all agree on that i think
2: it hits on the first two really well yeah um uh if, if you're looking for it the
0: third probably I'm, not so much i'm here. not so
2: sure yeah. yet
0: and and the, and i don't think they were trying to and you don't have to try to hit all three mm-hmm, points with every story that you're telling. And you shouldn't. I think it would be absolutely exhausting if, if this world were made up of, you know, all oh, if you have level to ju- three fantasies or whatever. If
2: you have to justify yourself every time you turn around to make every story be really, really, really moralistically true, <laughs> right. it, it's like very little is going to get published. Every time, mm-hmm.
0: I, every time I finish reading The Lord of the Rings, I have to go read... Brandon Sanderson or Terry Brooks or, you know, something that's a little more lighthearted affair.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah, I'll buy that. Anyway. By the way, I do need to mention one thing because I'm sure there's going to be a Marvel fan out there somewhere and he's going to say, yes, but Ronan the Accuser was portrayed poorly and inaccurately in the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's the only thing I'm going to say negative about the film. Uh, Oh, really? Yes. Ronan the Accuser's portrayal in the film was totally opposite what he is in the universe is he more like of the, the Marvel, Marvel or something. No, uh, Ronan the Accuser's character in the Marvel universe. For those of you who are following along and keeping crib scores, um, Ronan the Accuser is the ultimate uh, enforcer within the Kree Empire that determines whether or not civilizations will be added to the Kree Empire uh, or removed from the mm. Kree Empire. So he wasn't an avenging angel of sorts, which is kind of how he was portrayed in in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. He was instead. Um, a tribunal. Was it, He was like the high priest. Yes, and so the 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 portrayal that they give of him in the film was very contradictory to what we mm-hmm. see. That that was the only piece of what we saw in the film that was I, really d- opposite from what the you know Marvel I gotta say has.
0: I had no idea about any of the comic book backstory of him, but I will say something about how they introduced him uh, felt wrong to me. Yeah, and and I wonder if getting away from that source material. Uh, made it ring a little bit more hollow. Yeah, uh, than the rest maybe, of the movie, maybe. So now no, that's not to say that uh, that I, I that I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed watching him, and yeah, I, I thought for the movie he was a, a good character. He was a good villain, but yeah, something about that introduction where he he kills the the, the representative. Yes, yeah, yes. you know something something fell flat, and I wasn't sure. Yeah, what, it was the dialogue, some sort of the explanation.
1: I, I think that if I'm if I'm directing this and I know the story of Ronan, the accuser, and I know he's been on, you know, and I know that he's been on both sides. He's been a villainous character. He's been a hero character. And I have to establish that he is a villain and that he is heartless and everything. That's why as, as the writer or director that you do that opening scene, it's not, you know, I, you're right. He's not portrayed the way he is in the comic Mm -hmm. books. This is another one of those moments where I have to kind of say, okay, Different universes—a movie yeah. universe, a comic yep. book universe—they yeah. can
0: exist, they can coexist, and I can be happy with both. Part of my problem with movie universes and and literary universes coexisting is actually this—it's not such a problem with this because comic books are a visual medium. Mm-hmm. But uh, with The Hobbit, if we go back to that, we we talked about this with The Hobbit as well. Um, part of my issue is you are. You're now going to impose a uh, a version a visual version of the hobbit on a whole generation, like mm-hmm. my kid will mm-hmm. probably see the hobbit or you know he'll see images from it, and that's what he's gonna picture as he reads the hobbit for the first time, you know, yeah. so it's kind of like these images hold you hostage so we we talk about you know the coexistence, but at a certain point, I think ah you know you've got to you've got to stay true. Because you you could potentially ruin the longevity of, of the, the books or whatever source material.
2: Well, and I think one of the reasons that it doesn't hurt comic book portrayals as much as it might hurt other more literary pieces is that comic books are ever-evolving on a month-to-month basis. Um, we've seen over the last year the death of Superman – or excuse me, the death of Spider-Man. We saw the death of Superman several years before. Mm-hmm. We've seen the death of Batman. We've seen each of these characters – um, sometimes brought back from the dead in very hokey kinds of situations. In other cases, uh, with the death of Peter Parker, uh, as I recall, I hope nobody's listening to this for the first time and not going to you know freak out. But uh, there's a new Spider-Man in the world of the Marvel Universe, and he's not Peter Parker. Uh, and he came with those powers. His name is Benjamin.
0: <laughs> uh, he's from even, Atlanta.
2: Not even Ben Riley. Um, we've we've got a young man by the name of Morales. Um, oh, geez. that's and, right! I forgot that. <laughs> and and so with with the comic book universe, because it's continually evolving, um, I th- I think we're going to find that movie universes that Disney is creating and their comic book universes that they continue to create through Marvel are going to overlap each other. They're going to they're going to cross paths. They're going to be the same for a little while, and then split apart and then they're going to be the same for a little while and then split apart and they're going to borrow from each other mercilessly and without apology, which I think is entirely appropriate because I think it enriches both sets of universes. Yeah, I get no problem. As
1: long as they stay true to their respective pieces. Yes. 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 You you cannot, the Marvel Cinematic Universe cannot afford uh, to make a change and just say, oh, well, you know, that's just the way it is there. But...
2: Tony Stark has been Tony Stark for... 60 years. Robert Downey Jr. will not be able to be Tony Stark for 60 years, so they're going to have to find other ways of handling those conventions mm-hmm. without just saying, oh, we're just changing Tony Stark. Mm-mm. It's going to be a different set of challenges that they'll face as they move through that. And I think that's part of the reason that they're laying out phases is because they allow themselves to focus on certain characters for a period of time, 10 to 15 years, and then they focus on a new set of characters, 10 to 15 years, another set of characters, 10 to 15 years. We're seeing the same thing happen with Captain America. Captain America's uh, changing yet again in the comic book series mm-hmm. which i think makes it very easy for them to work it into the movie series uh with uh with the change that they're making for captain america's situation I i'm won't very anymore on that
1: i'm very curious as to how much interaction the movie universe and the comic book universe has with each other in terms of decision making and plans mm. because with the last captain america movie and the change of captain america that just came that was just published um, it's. It you seems can like, see it on the wall. Yeah, you could. You could very uh, easily believe that there was a meeting at some point in time, saying, "Hey, uh, you need to make Thor a woman." <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. Yeah, that one was painful. Um, but, yeah, but this I, is
0: why this is why I don't love writing by committee. Yeah, you it, know, that is it's, an issue.
2: But I'll tell you, Ryan, the other thing that you're talking about on that, that that makes it very obvious that Marvel's doing that is the way that they wove Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. television storyline with the Captain America. Yes. Oh, and right. the timing of the release of Captain America that had an impact on the timing of the television show. Um, it's, Did,
0: have either of you looked at the ratings? Did was there any sort of a bump? Did there was a, things there was work out? A, there was a big bump. Was they got a
2: lot of attention. That I mean, they were they weren't flagging in the ratings, but they weren't in in a they great place. Doing great, yeah. They weren't and 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 Joss Whedon being Joss Whedon said, "Don't worry, everything will be fine. By the time we get to May, we're going to be in great shape." And they were when they got to May, mm-hmm. they had they had viewership off the charts that they had not seen previously. Um, I'm All not sure, anticipation. I, I'm not sure it was exactly what the studios were hoping for, but I know that the rest of us are very glad that at least this television series helmed by Joss Whedon gets a second series mm-hmm. or a second season. <laughs>
1: well, and they just, uh, they're moving, uh, they're moving the night that it's on now. I believe it's going to be, um, is it on Wednesdays now? No, I think it, I want to say it's Monday night. Oh,
2: Monday night's a good night for it.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's just, Monday night. That they Cause they're not going to fight too. Arrow. No i mean uh, I speaking of he'll shoot you. speaking of battles between uh universes let's talk just briefly here about the uh, showdown that marvel and dc had <laughs> oh
0: my gosh was that not the most embarrassingly hilarious thing when okay so let let me back it up silence you fool um so dc at scheduled Batman, was. It, are they calling it Batman versus Superman? Dawn of Justice. Dawn of Justice for the same weekend as Avengers 2. Is that correct? Cap, no. Is it? Yes. Oh, is it Avengers 2? The next 2? Avengers movie. Okay. So, yeah, same weekend in May 2015. I thought it was Captain America 3. Could, no. No, because I don't Captain, think, America, Captain 3 America 3 won't be, be coming out until...
2: Yeah. It's It's got at least one more year.
0: Okay. Anyway whatever dc and marvel same weekend everybody's talking about oh what's gonna happen well then guardians of the galaxy comes out guardians of the galaxy cleans up at the box office everybody loves it and dc says oh wow so marvel can take uh a series that nobody knows you know out- outside the hardcore fan base nobody knows it nobody knows any of these characters it's completely new, and they can just kill it at the box office. They have the marketing, they have the know-how, they have the the social media capital, uh, you know, to be able to do this. They yeah. have Groot. We're we're just gonna step it back, and so now DC has pushed up the uh, release date for their Batman versus Superman to what March, right? They pushed it up, I think, March twenty fifth of twenty sixteen. Oh my gosh, I read that and I just about died laughing. And now that being said, I'm very excited to see this uh, Batman Superman movie. Just to see, you know, can you do it? Uh, but yeah, I'm laughing because you guys are way out of your depth here. Yeah.
1: Well, and the fact that DC also announced fairly recently that they had no intention of uh, combining universes because there was questions whether or not um, Arrow and the the new uh, Flash TV series that's coming out, whether or not they would be making a crossover into this, and I said no. Our TV series and our video and our films and everything, they're just completely separate universes. We're not going to cross them. We're not doing any of that. And Marvel's like, yeah, sure, why not? We'll combine those. And to me, I have yet to see anything coalesce that makes me believe that DC actually has a legitimate movie plan, other than to just right. try and ride cash cows.
2: I I don't think DC... I don't think the people that are running the, the live-action movie environment for DC understand really how to give the fans what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Now, the same cannot be true. It cannot be said of the people who are run their, run their animated movie studio. Oh gosh, they do great animated. The stuff. DC animated movies are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in fact, there have been times that I have sat down and, and looked at my wife and I said, what do you want to go see this, you know, this weekend for a movie? Well, there's this, there's this, there's this. Oh, Why don't but there's, a, stay new, in and there's watch Batman? a new DC movie out on Netflix. Let's watch that. My wife is like another cartoon. And I smile and say, yeah, but remember how cool the last one was? And she's like, "Okay, I'll pop the popcorn." <laughs> I mean, it's just they—they do—they do a wonderful job. They understand how to deliver on that, and I think it's because they don't feel the the same kind of fear of providing visual effects, um, or they—they—they aren't—they aren't held back by that in the in the animated movie series the same way that the people that are doing the live action feel held back by it. Marvel doesn't feel held back by it. They they embrace it and they say whatever it takes to make the movie work, we'll make it work and that's why it's going to make money.
1: If if you want, just as a side note, if you want a fantastic DC animated movie, this is one of my favorites. Go watch Batman Under the Red Hood. Great film. That is... Oh my goodness, great film. Stands on its own. Like, I, whether you love Batman or not, if you can just enjoy a good, a good animated film, it really... It's beautiful storytelling, great, just Oh, I, I love that episode. I love that uh, that movie. It was
2: that was that was a film that I that I watched about three times uh, because it was so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm.
1: There's and there's definitely you would do well to know a little bit more of what had happened in the in Batman's history to enjoy it more. But but you don't have you don't to. have you to. don't have to. You they have they to. will tell you what's kind of what's going on. You'll be like, oh, that's yeah. good to know. But it would help to know a little more. It just gives you a heads up, but. Yeah. I think you Maybe uh, I'll yeah. watch that
0: one. <laughs> you should definitely <laughs> watch it.
2: It's it's I, more section 1 of your fantasy construct. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and um, I, you
0: know, now that I now that I have a kid and everything, it's getting harder and harder to, you know, to to, to devour that section 1. I understand. You know? yeah. I Understand. Um, not that I don't. <laughs> I until, mean, I I play StarCraft often
2: until your kid gets old enough that he starts doing it with you.
0: Well, there's that. Oh, can I tell you how Excited I am for when my boy is old enough that he wants to watch me play Legend of Zelda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get <laughs> it. It's going to be the best day of my life. The best and part of that phrase is the fact that you said that my son will want to watch me play. Oh Legend yeah, of Zelda. no. I don't yeah, <laughs> because, I'm, I'm because, not looking forward to when he's like, Dan, I want to play. I want to play. I want to play." because I've seen like I have a nephew who when he turned about like 3 or 3 or 4 or something like that, he figured out how to work the controls on Mario. And that is all he ever wanted to do was yeah. play Mario. Just you wait, know? So I'm
2: not excited for that. Wait for the day that your kids are saying, Dad, let me show you how to do that on yeah, Zelda. Right. <laughs> That's going to come right after it, too. I
0: don't know. Maybe not on Zelda. <laughs> <but> on something <laughs> else, maybe. Keep dreaming, buddy.
2: Uh, <laughs> they always find new stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So uh, do you guys have anything else that you want to bring up? Um, why, don't, why don't we do this? Uh, yeah, you a know, scale of 1 to 10, um how stupid would somebody be to not go see Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh
1: 85. 85. Okay, right. Uh well, that's very so up uh, in 86. I mean, yeah, 85. I'm going to
0: I'm going to give them, I'm going to go 80 uh like price is right, uh $1 more. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I I would just say if you're listening to this, you obviously, you know, do not hate fantasy or science fiction, um go see Guardians of the Galaxy. You're going to enjoy it. And I if promise. you're a
2: child of the 80s, you will laugh. In unholy manners. Because well, there are so many delightful uh, yeah, there, jokes.
0: Um, yeah, go see Karen Gillan in some excellent costuming. <laughs> did you know that they shaved her head? And, and uh, this is a rumor I heard. They shaved her head, kept the hair, and made a wig for her to wear while she's growing her hair back. Yes, she, I did hear
1: that. Did you see her? It was at Comic-Con, at Comic-Con two, she had the two years hair. ago.
0: No, it was two, I think it was two years
1: ago at Comic-Con. She had her hair from Doctor Who, that everything was on there. And we had heard that she had shaved her head, mm-hmm. but when you saw that... And she, at a certain point, says, well, I've done something kind of crazy, grabs her hair, pulls it off. (laughs) Everyone sees her shaved head, freaks out. She throws the wig out into the audience and then goes, oh, no, wait, I need that. (laughs) Yeah. I need that and that back.
0: Anyway, I digress. Um, Fun stuff. Speaking of ducks uh so let's go ahead and and sign off oh no before we do let's digress one more time Happy fiftieth anniversary to the fellowship of the ring um, yes. something that we forgot to do on this podcast a few weeks ago but uh was it june twenty fifth um of this year was the fiftieth anniversary of uh of the fellowship of the ring being published and i'm i'm still a little bit uh miffed uh even though i was i wasn't even a twinkle in my grandparents' eye at that point but uh they didn't print more than 3,000 copies. It was a 3,000 copy run uh, when it was first printed in England. They did 1,500 in the U.S. Uh, when they printed it here. Thus, uh, the first printing, first edition of Lord of the Rings is way out of my grasp at this yes, point. Yes, I'm sure. So I'm very sad. It, it,
2: interesting, interestingly enough, that the, the, when, when, when we observe where it falls within the realm of any fantasy, um, until the Lord of the Rings shows up on the screen or on on the radar, so to speak, um, really the only other thing that we had were Grimm's Fairy Tales, yeah, uh, and some Hans Christian Andersen stuff. So really, the, this entire genre owes tremendous accolades to to the uh, well, to, to J.R.R. Tolkien yeah. and to C.S. Lewis because of his Narnia series. Mm-hmm. Those two did a wonderful job of opening the door to real, true fantasy. Writing fantasy publishing as a mainstream kind of a piece that was going to be something beyond just pulp fiction.
0: Yay!
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, yeah. That's all I wanted to say, guys. We we've talked for a long time and we never even touched on Star Wars. Oh, that's true. And there are two
2: huge pieces of Star Wars news that are going on right now. That do we want to
0: do? We want to do it now, or do we want to do a a little fifteen-minute episode? Because we're coming up on an hour here. I'm getting. Uh, Let's do it. Let's do it fast. Star okay. Wars news. Star, Star Wars, Wars news. Woo!
2: Um, the first thing is that they've announced who will be flying the Millennium Falcon, and it is not Harrison Ford in the character of Han Solo. Uh, is, it, it, is it Kip? Uh, it will not be Kip Duran. Um, it What's her name? It's the, it's the gal. And I think by doing this... Uh, Daisy...
0: Daisy. Fuentes. No, wrong Dang. Daisy.
2: She would look good in the Millennium no, Falcon, true. though. Actually, she would look good anywhere. Um, while Ryan's looking up her last name, uh, those who already know it are screaming it at the at their speakers right now and amazed that we can't remember it. Don't worry. You'll get your time, too. Um, I think by doing this, they could be giving a very, a very clear indication. Ridley. Daisy Ridley. Daisy Ridley. Um, they haven't announced what her character name is going to be, though.
1: No, they haven't. But it is assumed, especially by, by the images that they have <laughs> released, that she is most likely to be the daughter. Jane of solo. I, I
2: think that's the direction Better you're be heading.
1: Jane Janus solo. So help me if JJ Abrams <laughs> does not want to get a smack in the face oh, I'm through sure the mail. It's,
0: things are going to be it, fine.
1: There, they,
2: there is some. There is some homage to the source material that goes on with that. So I, th- I think we're seeing we're seeing very clearly a children of, uh, of, Han, and of Han and Leia chasing after. Luke, because we've also right, heard
0: because Luke's kind of disappeared for thirty years or something like and that, and
2: the images from the dailies and some of the photos are saying that Luke looks really bad, not that Mark Hamill looks really bad, but that they the can, character kind of beat him up
0: a little bit is
2: looking very old and very grizzled and 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 very much like he's unkempt, very unjedi like yeah, so I think we're going to see some really interesting things oh, of that.
0: i you know what would be nice is if you, you know, in the in the expanded universe, the old expanded universe, I guess uh, he turned to the dark side for a little while. I wonder if they'll they'll have that as part of his backstory, and he he kind of got embittered and have we
1: left left the church so to speak? Have we talked about the opening scene that was the the script that was leaked, released, whatever they <laughs> talked about <laughs> the opening CV no, scene that they're talking about, about? So here's what they've released so far: um, that you'll have the opening crawl that is required. To be considered a Star Wars, um, the opening crawl, and then it will pan down, not to a planet or a ship, but to a severed hand holding a oh, lightsaber. That's right. Yeah, I, I that. heard about that. Yeah, floating across. And that's it. supposed to be the hand that fell out of Bespin, no. Cloud City. No, yeah. it's Luke Skywalker's lightsaber from Return of the Jedi.
2: But in his... but we don't
1: know who the hand belongs to. Oh, okay. Yeah,
2: they. So that's that's a that's an interesting piece. It's very gruesome. Um, that's a very gruesome start to us, to a Star Wars film. Yes.
1: But, and then they, if, okay, I have to admit there is, you know, what else is a gruesome
0: start? Did you see
1: episode one? <laughs> I have to, I'm going to admit to, Misa, to something said. here. Uh, when they were doing the open casting calls for Star Wars, I very, very seriously considered, uh, sending it to England. No, cause you could just send in a oh, tape, okay. you know, me and along with the three hundred fifty three hundred fifty thousand 350,000 other people who decided to do so. Um and this script that they gave uh for you to read through and to do some things from is supposedly this scene. Um, these two there's someone who's injured and they're um they're in a barn and they discover a lightsaber. Oh, that's right. I did hear
0: something and about that. So yeah. that's the whole idea of the, And they the,
1: they're trying to like return it to its owner or something like that. Something it's it's how you're gonna bring in this um stormtrooper who has become uh, i know that the stormtrooper is become disenfranchised with the empire he wants to leave and he so he's looking to Aww, join
0: stormtrooper with a conscience yeah
1: and he's not a clone he's um i don't remember which actor it is mm. it would sound very racist of me to say it but
0: it's uh, it's the black
1: guy, the black the guy uh, that's not cast. racist
0: he's black he's not white um, That's okay
1: but that's uh he's the one who's playing the stormtrooper who's being disenfranchised mm-hmm. from from
0: that you know who else was disenfranchised han solo <laughs> that's what, it, right. He used to work yeah. for the Empire, and then he freed Chewbacca. Well, no, that's not true because there's no such thing as truth in Star Wars anymore.
2: <laughs> um, it is accurate. But there you go. It, it continues to be accurate. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, and and maybe what we need to do is is kind of keep a finger on the pulse on this, and yeah. and see if we can continue to come up with some of these stories and talk about some other things
0: yeah i get a i get a uh, star wars episode 7 google alert every day and every once in a while something will come up and i'll go oh that's interesting but for the most part it's just for the last couple months it's been
2: the same stories over and over again exactly
0: domino gleason talks about
1: star wars episode
0: 7 but he can't say anything so 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 he's it's you know the food service uh, is good it's like the um the post game interviews with the athletes well we sports super hard right (laughs) it's kind of what it is it's, it's exactly what it is there's no substance to any of this stuff and so i'm waiting for you, you'll know when the next big announcement comes out because it's going to be on the front page of yeah you know, of Yahoo everything and all that stuff so.
2: um the other thing the other piece of star wars news that's really interesting is the announcement of star wars rebels and the release mm. of the first seven minutes of the star wars rebels footage for the for the openings for the opening uh, episode which is coming out i believe on october 17th um and and i'm very impressed it's um, looking good. the The animation is it's not Clone Wars. Um, Thank goodness. Not yeah. that
0: I don't like Clone Wars, but Clone Wars it, it was, was got its own a little thing. Clunky after a while, yeah,
2: it did. Um, it's not Clone Wars. It's also um, not anything that that we've really seen before in in the animation world. It's it's a little bit different. It's trying to be a little bit more genuine, but lengthened. Um, it's got its own look and feel, so I'm I'm glad about that. Um, but it's also got some really impressive cast of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've been following the the reveals that they've been doing on the different characters that are coming out, um, some really interesting stuff on that. So that's something I think that's going to be fun to watch for the next little while. And something that I'm sure that J.J. Abrams and everybody at Disney slash Lucasfilm slash Marvel slash we own everything that is wonderful in the world can do to make us wait for more.
0: All all of the things about life that we now enjoy, at least in America, it's all Disney.
1: I definitely think that once Rebels does come out that, assuming the series is doing well and everything, that I will probably have to do a uh, Rebels update and do a brief synopsis, you know during our podcast, Oh yeah, no. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Rebels. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be, I'm excited about it. I'm very excited about that series.
2: I'm very impressed with what they're, what they're trying to do. They're, they're putting it solid. They're putting it in a place that they can do new things. They can do different things, but they can do it with the old universe. Uh, and they don't need to worry about screwing anything up that AJ, that JJ Abrams is doing with the, with the expansion, the, the new expansion. Right. On the universe. So
0: that'll be a good thing. So, um, in conclusion, again... Um, Sorry about that. No, no, that's good. I'm glad we got to some Star Wars stuff, because, uh, yeah, that's... yeah. Let's just say Star Wars is interesting to me. <laughs> uh, now, Ryan, um, you and I, and Todd, actually, and uh, maybe I, I, I want to get Ken in there if we can as well, but uh, whoever we get involved with, we are going to be at Comic-Con... Uh, this year, I really should have announced this right up front. Uh, so I'm, I'm. I think it's fair to bury it. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Make people listen to the whole podcast. There you go.
0: There you go. Uh, we will be at Comic Con. We're going to be live podcasting on Saturday, September sixth uh, at one p.m. That is subject to change, but right now that's what it's scheduled at. So, uh, so help me, so help me, if anyone within the sound of my voice is at Comic Con and not at that live. Uh, recording live recording nice yeah you're in huge trouble and you're officially banned from listening to the podcast that i'm trying to get lots of people to listen to
2: i'm trying to figure out how to i'm going to wear all of my geek stuff there
0: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i we have yet to decide on a topic uh but rest assured it will be good and uh i i'm hoping i'm hoping to do some audience participation stuff because i think i think that'd be pretty fun uh so i hope you guys are looking forward to it very much so yep and uh, the other thing to announce uh, we do need to come up with a new topic and so i will not be held hostage to this so we can change our mind but we did put a poll up on our website right we had a few people vote and it it came down decisively for uh, brandon sanderson's mistborn trilogy Mm -hmm. Uh, so i think that may be the next uh, thing that we do so again, subject to change. Uh, you know, I, I haven't really. If I want to do this, Harry but, yeah. Potter,
1: then good head. Gosh dang it, I'm <laughs> going to do Harry Potter. Uh, but no, yeah, no, I no. I think that'll probably be the next one we do. the so. The only question I have about whether or not we do that is, do we go on into the Alloy of Law? Mm,
0: we'll talk about that later <laughs> um, alright well thanks again uh, everybody for listening thank you Todd for coming in it's been my pleasure um, thanks Ryan for having a house that has a room that we can do this in for as long as I can have a house it is so bloody hot in here I can't even tell you guys it does that Like my back is sweating are you kidding me I'm sitting and my back is sweating and that's
1: the image we're going to leave you with
0: <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen have a good week Craig's back sweat Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to The Legendarium on iTunes. Uh, check us out at The and also write us at The Legendarium Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Craig's back sweat.